Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. City Life. So glad to have you join, joining in with us. Uh, time is the one thing you spend and you'll never get back. So praying that this time we have together will not be something that's spent, but an investment that will last in our lives and all the friends and family around us forever. Thank you, Kathy, for leading us in our announcement that City Life Homes and Groups are starting next weekend. I want to reiterate that right here, right now, that you can sign up for City Life Homes. We have 10 host homes that are taking 10 uh, people in every house. And also remind you that if you don't feel comfortable, there is no judgment. You belong here, whether that's online, digitally, in a home of 10, and all the different ways that we'll roll out in the future. And we'll have groups launching next week as well, so you can find a group that fits you best, your time, the stage of life. And some of the groups will be meeting in person, and some will still have a digital on-ramp. And in order to make those possible, we will have uh, more technology that we'll be getting to the the host homes and to to. Keep the live feed rocking. We're looking to hopefully have the live go back at, uh, we'll be going back at City Life Lansing at Hill next month to, to go live there. And that's going to take, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take a great team. It's going to take the grace of God, but it's also going to take dollar dollar bills, y'all. It's going to take some money. And I want to thank you and also invite you into this season so that we can continue to have the technology advanced, the good news out there to, to, to what God is doing through City Life. So thank you for giving to God through what he is doing here to keep equipping people to love the city one life at a time. We've always believed in unconventional methods and we're continuing to be agile because of your generosity. And you can go to citylifelansing.com to invest uh, through your giving. So I want to thank you for that. We're going to keep it super simple and all about the basics this month with our series, Love Your. Love your what? Last week was love your God. Today, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Well, I think for some of us, we could envision maybe loving our God, because God can be personal. But loving people can also uh, many times feel optional. Like, I'm not sure if I want to love people. Loving God, okay, let me decide on my own. But loving people, that's optional. And I hope today that we'll see that they're immersed together. They are one in the same. They are always connected. God 
in people. And we're going to Matthew chapter 22, reading verses 35 through 39. Jesus teaching us. And as we open up the Bible, whether that is digitally, physically, or in any form of how you just maybe read it on the screen, the Bible is often misunderstood because we don't know that the Bible is composed of different types of literature, different types of writing. Writing teaching us of who God is, how he operates, and it's all one story about his pursuit of me and you, his creation through Jesus, and how we can be a part of all that he's doing in this world. Now, it's not a step-by-step, step-exhaustive manual, but it's, it's this uh, composition of narrative, historical, poetry, and how its intention of being written is so important to understand because we might miss the moments. And then how did it impact and connect to the audience that was learning it? So we, we got to zoom back to those things, the type, and what we're reading in Matthew 22 is Matthew's gospel, his good news, the account of who Jesus is, what he did. And he's basically writing about what he is testifying, what he saw Jesus move and operate in, that he is the son of God. He is the fulfillment. He's the Messiah to Israel, and ultimately the Gentiles for all of mankind. And we're going to pick it up as we did last week in verse 35, Matthew 22. Let's go. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Pause. The more we know about a subject, the more expert we are. Sometimes we're very prone to rookie mistakes. I think that each one of us can relate to the more we know, the more kind of confident we feel. But Jesus wants us to keep, I believe, curiosity of a child. That's why you see this expert asking a question to test him. Jesus has crowds that are amazed. They're, they're, They're so in wow of what he's doing. And he's also got crowds that are critiquing him of what he's doing as well. No different than society today. You get the, uh, the paparazzi ready to take every snapshot of a celebrity to either cheer or jeer them. And there's no way you can go anywhere without either being celebrated or hated. And it seems like that's the polarizing tension we have to live in, either this way or that way. And it's no different than here's Jesus, the expert teachers of the law, critiquing him because is he the real deal? He seems to be a counterfeit. So let's test him. Let's poke at him. Instead of being curious in wonder and awe and assuming the best, here he approaches and he's like, teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Now there's many commands in the law. And here Jesus, he says to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now over 600 commands 
Jesus is summing them all up to love God and love people. Last week was love your God. Today is love your neighbor. Well, the natural question then is, who is my neighbor? Well, hearing this, this audience would say, okay, I'm familiar with what he's talking about. I wonder how he'll expound on it. He's rolling out the basics. He's given us the way to play the game. Because if you don't play the game with the right commands and press the right buttons, you can't really win the game. And on Friday night, we had a world-class, amazing experience Mario Kart tournament. And on Friday night, we did the Mario Kart tournament. It was awesome. We were laughing, having fun. But then the question came up for all the noobs and OOB, all the noobs, you know, the noobs always want to know what button, what does it do? How do I go? How do I press? What, you know, and then, and those that have that advantage already know what buttons do what. And sometimes low key, they'll be a little snotty about it and not want to tell people what you got to press, right? And so they won't really tell them, I don't know, you just press a button and really they're getting the advantage. But the thing about Mario Kart, there's also luck, right? Exactly. You'll get that luck where it's called a red shell, papow. You'll get this blue shell, this new kind of, if you're in front, first place, you buy to get hit like the first will be last next thing you know you want to put from first to last and all of this because here's the point if you don't press the right buttons you won't know how to go and here's jesus telling us the commands of life are simple but you can't do it your way i'm gonna teach you to do it my way now that moment of what we think and how we operate is then to say okay how have i been doing it my way does it work and for a lot of us, it's a concoction, it's a mess. It's a conglomerate of my ideas, maybe dad, mom, somebody's society, this God, a little bit of that, and then we're eating the stew that is a hot mess. We gotta get back to the basics of who God is and how he flows and operates and to make it personal. Because if it's not personal, if that property's not personal, it's a rental God experience. You know what a rental God experience is like? Well, it's no different than whenever we rent something on earth. If I rent a house, I don't treat it the same way as if I owned it. If I rent a car or even if someone, maybe a parent gave me the car, I'm not going to know until I get a little older and I paid for it myself. Or if we go out and rent some equipment from Home Depot or Ace Rental and we get that yard equipment or whatever it is, we take it back and we're like, whatever, it's a rental. It's a rental experience. This can't be a rental experience to love your God, to love your neighbor. Come on. You can just do that. Do I have to do that? No, it's personal. It starts with each one of us taking ownership. This audience would have known Leviticus 19 in the Old Testament, where verse 9 says, when you reap the harvest of your land, this expert in the law would have known you are to not to reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. You mean God cares about all the people in the, in the harvest? Yeah, I am the Lord, your God. Do not steal. Do not act deceptively or lie to one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, profaning 
the name of your God. I am the Lord. Leaders, those that lead in the name of Jesus Christ. Why would it matter so much if we don't profane his name? Because when we say it comes in the name of the Lord, that stamp, that seal of heaven, man, God don't lie. He's perfect. I think we all need a dose of humility to say, am I teaching the commands the right way? Well, I mean, when's the last time you saw a debate where someone came to the table and said, I'm just here today to potentially be persuaded to change my viewpoint. I, I'm, I, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say to change my viewpoint. Well, we come with bazookas. I mean, we come with an arsenal of activity. I mean, we come with so many things. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you what I read. Article 6.5, this, 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 this. But here's the thing. When we're saying in the name of Jesus, we better hope that we're right because it's the God of the universe. We don't want to misrepresent him. But by recognizing that we might be prone to misrepresent him allows us to, I think, be more accurate to represent him. And there will be many moments where you and I, we get off and thank God God's perfect. He doesn't just move on. He's not a transactional God. He's a transformational God. He uses imperfect vessels to communicate his perfect truth. Wow. So if we make mistakes, I think, and I'm sorry is an easier way to get back than trying to double down and say, I am right. Verse 13 continues, do not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages do a hired worker must not remain with you until morning. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but you are to fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not act unjustly when deciding a case. Do not be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not jeopardize your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not harbor hatred against your brother. Rebuke your neighbor directly and you will not incur guilt because of him. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but it's the expert of law, the, that audience hearing what Jesus, who Matthew's writing to, this, this audience would know this, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe you're hearing that and you'd say, I, uh, I don't even know how I would love my neighbor because I barely understand how to love myself. To first speak to that, loving ourselves is not determined by my love or your love. It's determined by the one who made me in you. And the one who made me in you is love. God is love. God is love and his love runs to us first before we even knew that we could love. We have been rejecting this love, but yet he's still in hot pursuit to give his grace. That is so beautiful. So if we wonder, man, am I loved? There is the God of everything screaming out, 
through his son, I love you. I think that one's a little bit more easier to deal with. Like, well, am I loved? We might not feel loved, but the truth is we are loved. But I think we would resonate and all agree. Well, even though I might not feel like I'm loved all the time, I understand that I want love and I want to be treated with love. So to love myself, we are very biased when it comes to ourselves. If it benefits me and if I advance, then I am excited and therefore maybe I'll turn a blind eye and just continue to move on as long as it benefits me. But what Jesus is saying is this, me, you, God, we experience all connected that this whole story is about God and people. So the natural question then says, well, who in the world am I supposed to love? Who's my neighbor, Jesus? Who are the people I love? And before we give up on loving on people, I think there's a dose of heaven today to reset, resurrect, and bring new life to love how Christ first loved us. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 to answer that question, who in the world is my neighbor? In fact, Jesus was tested with that question and Luke's gospel records this. Verse 25, just then a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Hi, Jesus, I'm super smart in class and I want to raise my hand and I want to test you. You know, you could always you could almost feel the whole crowd where everyone, it's kind of a premeditated where they're going to play a prank on the teacher. I kind of get that tone where it's premeditated. Person's going to ask the question and going to ask the question is like, teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Pretty big question. A question at some point that each one of us will ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I can only imagine. This is Dromism moment for a second. This isn't necessary commentary. This is not in the name of the Lord. But this is kind of how I kind of phrase it. Here's Jesus. He, he answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And so in other words, Jesus is saying, oh, you sweet? Oh, you nice with it? You want to ask questions? This is Dromism for a second. This ain't the, the Jesus. This is just how I'm feeling. I'm like, oh, you, you, you about that life? I could tell you 40 things that you aren't about, but you want to ask me? Test the God of the universe? Well, let me do a little reversal Game night, we also played Tekken. That night, Tekken is a fight game, one-on-one, -on -one, and you can do a reversal. So if someone kicks you, you can grab their leg, and you can reverse. And that counter can hurt them really bad. So that counter, he could come back, and he could just blaze this cat that thinks they're so smart. Here is the God of the universe being tested, but Jesus knowing how to respond to the critics. He's the first PR firm of all time, public relations. He knows how to deal with critique. He knows how to respond. He knows how to tweet. And you know what he says? He says, I'm going to flip the mirror around. You got it on me. I got it on you. Let's See if you got, if you bought that light. Anyways, that's the Jerome, that's the Dromanism. I digress. Here's what the text says, though. It says, uh, he answered them what's written in God's law and how do you interpret it? Well, now the whole class is staring at this religious scholar. He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence. That's why I chose to read this portion out of the message. I love how. It describes to love your God with everything and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. And Jesus, great teacher, good answer.
do it and you'll live. Looking, the student, now, original, scholar, everything's changed. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor, Jesus? Like, come on, Jesus, you're telling me to love God, love people. We already know that. And you told me to go do it and live it. Who is my neighbor? I don't know if you can relate with this, but I, I know when I've been in seasons of sin, what I'm looking oftentimes for is a loophole. If God doesn't agree with me, I'm, I'm going to double down on my own stance and say, hey, where's the loophole? Because we don't like to be told what to do. When we hear commands, we think, oh, no way. No one can hold me down. How are you going to tell me what to do? And, and we felt people be the sin police and, and monitoring us and saying, do this, don't do that, and all this stuff, except when the king of the universe is telling us do and don't. But it's not motivated by commands. It's motivated by what? Love your God. Love your neighbor. It's motivated by this force that isn't just a do or a don't. It isn't just a right or a wrong. It just is. And it is so powerful. We will never, ever be able to love like Christ without remembering the love of Christ first to me. So Jesus is going to answer and tell a story with a question each one of us should have is, okay, if I'm going to love people, what kind of people do I love? There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest on his way down the same road there's a priest now, luckily, down on the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. So the priest doesn't engage. The priest goes to the other side. And before we judge the priest for a moment, let's read the second character. And I want to invite us to empathize with them because I think we'll, we'll recognize we relate with them more than we want to admit. Then a Levite religious man showed up. So here's two people that are expert law, religious scholars. They should know what to do. He also avoided the injured man. Has life beat us up to the point where we don't want to love anymore because we've helped people and we already know how they're going to respond or so we think. It's just going to be another sob story. We're going to invest in them and maybe they'll let us down. They won't call us back or maybe they'll lie and we'll give them money and it's going to take up my time. I've got things to do and we can kind of just move on because let's be honest, there's 7.8 billion people in the world. There's a lot of junk. Does God really need me to help? Am I accountable? Who in the world is my neighbor? And the longer I've been doing this gig, and I mean this gig of loving God and investing in people. Sometimes people ask me, hey, what's your profession? Is Hey, I, I'm investing and believing in humanity. And whoever feels forgotten, I try to make sure they know that they're found. 
And at that point, they're like, so what do you really do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. Like, oh, get out. You know, they're done with it. But it's like, wait, a, 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 a real pastor should be somebody who, who, who remembers that they were lost and now they're found. And they would remember that people are worth dignity. They will remember that there's love and grace for the one who feels forgotten. And that no matter how far someone has gone, that God still calls them by name. But along this journey, something happens. People let us down. And crazy enough, we let people down. I let people down. They let me down. It's this vicious cycle and it's just, oh no. And then finally it's like, I just want the a la carte Christian kind of buffet line. I want a la carte. I can pick and choose who I love, what I love, what I get, how I do it. And I think to some degree, the priest and the, the, the Levite religious person have probably just seen the game and we get kind of callous to it because we've watched uh, Yahoo, CNN, Fox motivating us. They're telling us. And you know, when people are minimized to either a highlight or a low light, we're done with life. We're like, we're just done with them. I'm done. Look, this is crazy. Why are they on the corner with the sign? Why, why do they say they need help? Shouldn't they go out there and get a job? How do they got a cell phone anyways? I'm not going to give them money. What are you do? What? There's no way I'm going to help this person again. God, are you really calling me to this stuff? And then Jesus goes on to say, who's the real hero in the story? And, uh, it's the Samaritan, a good Samaritan. This is where this comes from. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw, saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Before there was any action steps, there was love and connection through compassion. For those in City Life, you've heard me maybe uh, say this or you've read one of my emails. I've been tempted to be more calloused in this season to love. Because there's not the physical touch points anymore and just reading another highlight or a low light. And it's easier to hate from a distance. Or now there's unrealistic expectations where either I got for you or you got for me. And when expectations and reality, there's a gap. Now there's frustration. And so this gap has provided more tension and more opportunities to, to, to be offended and to be think we're right. Instead of just break it down and get back to the basics to just love God and love people and see fellow man on the side of the road and say, you know what? My heart goes out to that person. My heart's right there. My heart's connected. And when your heart's connected, look at how the story continues. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, innkeeper saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. It's probably my favorite moment here. I'll pay you on my way back. Why is that my favorite moment? Because sometimes we think we got to be God for people when we help people. Ah, just do what we can, do for one, what we wish we could do for all, continue to move on. I got stuff to do, but let me help you. Let me not get caught up in this web that I may or may not be able to fully help, but I can do something for someone because I've never looked into the eyes of somebody who does not matter to God. 
And I got to ask anytime I see someone in need, God, what do you want me to do? And that can become exhausting because we start to instantly think, okay, he's telling me what to do. I got to be a good rule follower. If not, God's going to be mad at me and we miss it. We get it twisted and we start to then get works-based, legalist-based instead of just remembering we got to go back. It is grace. It is grace that started this. It's grace that sustains us. It's grace that keeps us and it's love God flowing to me. It's love God flowing to people. And then as I look at people here, here, here's where kind of this all culminates. If you had to think of one bottom line, love your neighbor. Why? Me is you, you is me. It is as simple as that. If I don't see me when I look at you and you don't see yourself when you look at me, we're never going to want to play together. Me is you, you is me. Love your neighbor. And so what he's saying is who is your, who's, who is the neighbor? What he's saying, he is playing this. He's saying all people. The person beat on the side of the road doesn't live by him, though it, you know, shout out to my neighbors. If you live by your neighbors, that's awesome. I love my neighbors. It's cool. We get to meet each other and, and learn each other's names. But, but I, I hope that I'm not a project to my neighbors and I hope they're not a project to me because a project you kind of complete. It's like, okay, hey, I got to know if you're a Christian or not. I got to know if you're about this Jesus thing or not. We're going to do this transactional experience and we'll just get the project done. And we want everything to kind of be a project experience because think about it. A project is, let's say if I paint, we just painted recently the garage. We paint the garage. Once you paint that, John, that thing is done and it is done. It's like, whoo, look at it. One and done. Paint is done. It gets a little dirty, but I can paint it again. But here's why it's different. People aren't projects. They're going to get messy, moves one step forward, 10 back, and love runs too, but love also stays. It stays. The love of God stays. When do I stay? And when do I know if I'm in an abusive help? to love my people or love the neighbor. Well, we have a good frame of reference. In Luke 15, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's a few stories in there. And a couple of them is the father with the prodigal son. The other is the shepherd to leave the, good, the flock for the one lost sheep. And what I find fascinating about the character of God is when the son leaves home, the father stayed, the father waited, the father, father longed. Finally, when the son came back home, the father just rejoiced and loved deeply. But with the lost sheep, the shepherd left to go find the one. When do we stay home and when do we go run after the one? Only the Holy Spirit will give us that game plan. It's both and. There will be moments when we do pay, we love, and there's other times where we stay home and we pray. But how we see people has always got to be the same. Moved with compassion and in our heart to assume the best, believe the best, because God doesn't give up on anybody. He doesn't make junk. We're gonna have to shed we're going to have to shed that stuff off of us of why it's hard to love deeper, you know? And that's why I say uh, I empathize with the priest and the, Le the Levite because when you start loving people, you start going after the ones nobody wants, man, oh my goodness. You know, when you're face to face with the darkest places of humanity, but yet my job is to love, enter, and go about my business. 
then as I come back, still be connected. And so verse 36 continues, it says, what do you think? Here's Jesus now. I'm gonna really turn the table. Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? And the religious scholar responded, the one who treated him kindly. And Jesus said, go and do the same. Let's get some texture as we get ready to close. What would go and do the same look like? Before we become prolific rule followers or think we got to get a to-do list, you know, as long as the size of Manhattan. It all begins with God, his love flowing through me, and remembering how I would long to be treated. The golden rule, Matthew 7. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Would I want somebody to stop on the side of the road if I was stranded and beat up by robbers? Or would I want them to mock me and say, they must just be there because they deserve it or they didn't work hard or maybe they're just a drug addict? These are all thoughts we've, we're all prone to. Nah, discount. Because we have excuses of why we don't want to love anymore. And then how do, when, when we start to love, how do we not become God to somebody? Because there's a fine line between empowering and enabling. Fair? How do we know if we're enabling somebody and how do we know if we're empowering them? How do we know when to stay home and how do we know when to chase? I think, Remembering the starting line is we're never going to give up and we're always going to love and then admitting to people, I'm not sure if this is the best way in the name of God, but I did come in the name of God and I'm going to try my best. And we connect with them on a heart level because it's easy to hate from a distance. But it's easier to love up close. And as we get up close, we remember, okay, for this is the law and the prophets that I would do unto others as I wish they would do unto me. And yeah, and use wisdom, of course. I think somebody, we are, we're prolific at trying to look for the loophole, the opt-out clause. Well, if, let's just, first example that's coming to my mind, if, uh, um, if I was a single woman uh, driving in my car and you see four guys uh, on the side of the road and you know their tires flat, I, I don't think it's most strategic for that single woman in that moment to pull over and be like, let me help you fix your tire. You know, I don't, it's probably not the most strategic, but at the end of the time, that's not an excuse just to keep on doing, moving on and doing nothing. You know, maybe you can pray for that person in that moment. Uh, but there's also the times when we are equipped and then we, we, we could pull over and we could help with gas in those situations. Because if somebody's pulled over, I mean, don't you wish that, that somebody would, would pull over for you? And I don't know if you felt that embarrassment. I felt that embarrassment before. I, we were driving a 15-passenger church van. I, I ran out of gas in Okemos. Uh It was horrible because like Okemos, it's you know, it's, it's, it's not the same as like, you know, the inner city, like income wise. And, and, uh, so I'm there and people are just whipping by me, like, uh, uh, you know, and my wife worked at Jackson national at the time. So I was like, babe, I ran out of gas and da, 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 or whatever. And, you know, just 
total suck up our pride and you know got the gas can the 15 passenger and then you pull up everyone's staring at you it's like maybe you felt the embarrassment you know if you get pulled over and everybody's staring everybody's pointing it's just like oh is that what you wish somebody would do to you you know what i mean maybe they would maybe they justify and it's like oh you just want to pull over and be like dude i see you i'll see you later what you think you bought that life anyways <laughs> yes I wrote this in my notes. We don't move on. We're here to stay and we move in. And that's not conditional. It will get messy because people aren't projects. I want to call the worship team up because I think as we get ready to go about our day, God wants to impart in us. Heaven wants to impart in us New perspective, new life, new compassion, um, new perspective of how we see people to care, to learn names and not just think of people as projects, whether they convert or not, whether, hey, will you follow Jesus? People aren't minimized to a case study. People are people made in the image of God. I got to be reminded of that. You got to be reminded of that. And as we remind each other, we remember where does that motivation come from to do the commands? What, what button? How did it happen? Who made this game? God. And his nature is love. His display is love. And he puts his money where his mouth is. Because we saved the best for last in this message. Jesus is he is the love your neighbor. He is the love people. He is the restoring of mankind, showing his love by giving his life on a cross, hanging there, taking the punishment for all of sin, living the life that you and I couldn't, sin free, guiltless, but yet he's being condemned condemned and dying a, 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 a guilty criminal's death. And not just dying on a cross, but then taking the punishment that's due for all of sin. And what is sin? Anything that falls short to the glory of God. Well, God, why'd you set the rules up this way? Look, we don't understand all of the mystery, but this was not his intent. He gave us a rule assignment, but we looked for a loophole out. We looked for that loophole out. We were like, hey, listening to Satan, man. And then Satan says this, did God really say keep those commands? Did God really say don't do this? And then we miss in that moment, the narrative in Genesis of what's taking place where mankind was called to rule over the creation, but now Mankind is being subject to the creation and then taking the part of what they weren't supposed to when the whole point was relationship with God, that we're, we're this new temple, we're there with God all the time, harmony, beautiful, eternal life with him. And then he knew because he's perfect, he's good, and he's awesome. And just like if somebody commits a crime, like we want justice, right? But the greatest injustice that ever took place is on the cross where he died a guilty person's death. Me, guilty, sin, because God is so good that he has to punish sin and, and, and just like we would want any good judge to do, that's why we cry out for justice and we lead the way in that. And he doesn't just, he doesn't just like uh, conditionally do it. He comes in in the only way that the payment could be final and it could be full forever. That payment, his name is Jesus and he dies on the cross and he hangs there and he takes that pain, that penalty and he 
pays it with his own blood so that you and me can have new life. Yeah, it, it is that amazing. Come on, there's no way. No, no, that's what we do to inherit eternal life. To love your God means to receive your God, to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's just who he is. And there's freedom in that. It's not a rule manual. It's called relationship. Two births I want to take place right now. Birthing of new life. Jesus is calling you home. He's calling you by name. You're not a number. The second birthing, the Holy Spirit would remind us, resurrect, and give us new perspective to love people very deep. What people, Jesus? What neighbors? Whatever person we come into contact with, do our best to love and to lead and to care and let compassion flow to them. Because me is you and you is we, is me. That's it. I'm you and you are me. So we're in this together. I can't a la carte it. And I know for many of us, it's been hard. People have let us down. Don't give up. Because there's a source of heaven to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So first crowd, you want, you want Jesus? It's super simple. You just say, Jesus, take my life. Forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. And I thank you that I have new life in you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And in that moment, sin gone. You're in the family. You're in the family God restored. Well, what do I have to do? Come on, don't I have to do something? Well, you want to do something if you recognize what he did for you. And that grace is now grace through works too. But you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to be saved. That's it. That's it. Just receive it. And then secondly, as we receive it and we marvel at that, now we're like, oh, I want to bear fruit. I want to then see people how Jesus sees people. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Holy Spirit tells us when to stay home. The Holy Spirit tells us when to go. Well, how do we know God's voice? Well, we read his word and we pray and we spend time with them. And that's where community comes in. That's where the homes, the groups come in. That's why we need each other. We do this together. We get off and we ask each other feedback. What's going on? And that's the beautiful journey of life. One of my friends, uh, I love, he, he's, he's helped shape this for me. And he goes, you know, we're so focused on the destination so much. Like, how do I complete the project? How do I get to where I'm going? We miss the journey, the journey of loving people, the journey of crying and the journey of loss, the journey of lament, the journey. And it's not, it's not easy to, to move through pain. It, by all means, no. But one day he'll come back and make all things new. So secondly, for the crowd, I'm praying that there will be birthing to love people deeply right now. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray for every person that we will love our neighbors personally. We'll take ownership right now. People aren't projects. They're not minimized to case studies. They're not numbers. They have a name. They have worth. And we want to get to know them. We want to see them as a Samaritan did. We want to see them. And God, we thank you that the hero in the story is the Samaritan because the Samaritan to the religious scholar would have been the most unlikely person to be the hero. Because we could be watching this thing. I'm not fit. I don't know how to help somebody. That's what Jesus was saying. No matter where you're at, he will take the unlikely people to do amazing heaven, extraordinary things. 
So you are positioned by just saying, God, I'm not qualified. He equips the unqualified. He calls you and he, and he, and he just starts to birth this new excitement to say, oh, I want to love people. I don't know where to begin. Just start with one. Just start with one. And then you'll realize it's just a, a series of ones, that one is the biggest number. That new life, that love today, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hey, as we close, I want to sing to kind of seal what God's doing with that new life, that new love in a simple, beautiful way. And I'll be out just back in a couple moments to close this out. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.